just felt the Holy Spirit telling me all week that I need to revisit this because it's so important and it's so amazing and so powerful and so descriptive and I, and I just keep sensing in my heart that as a culture, as, as believers, that we need to have an understanding of what is happening in heaven right now. How many know as we had worship this morning, they're having worship in heaven? There's a glorious, glorious worship service happening in heaven right now. While you were eating turkey, they were having a worship service. While you were watching your favorite teams, no matter what the outcome was, they are worshiping God in heaven. Amen? And maybe that would have been better than watching some of those games, right? <laughs> and, and, but in the light of everything in our life, all these things pale in comparison to what's going on right now in heaven. So I just think it's important that I revisit this, and we're going we're gonna to really dive into this area of communion and, and the sacrifice and, and go with that this morning. Revelation chapter 4. And remember, this is describing heaven. And John is taken up into heaven in, in, the, in, in I believe, in his spirit. And he's taken up and he sees, literally sees some things uh, for the first time. After this, verse 1, chapter 4, after this I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 elders and seated on the throne were were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their, hand, on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne was as it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him. They fall down and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord and God, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw mighty angels proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. 
And I began to weep loudly. Here's this weeping again, like, like we'll see in, in, in Luke with a woman who's, who's there to anoint the feet of Jesus, right, with that alabaster jar. But here we see John is like, I'm weeping. I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Aren't you thankful that someday God's going to say, weep no more. There will be no more weeping in heaven. Weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of the Judah. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. And though it had been slain, thank you for communion. Amen. And thank you for this bread and this cup that we'll take. And with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth? And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads, that means like millions and millions of angels and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne. Do you understand? This scene is amazing, isn't it? This scene is just Bigger than anything we've ever imagined. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Can you imagine seeing that? Can you just imagine the, 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 the sights and the sounds? And, and, and what I love, this whole thing I love, don't, don't get me wrong, I love everything about it, but the part of that scripture that really stands out to me is the fact that we come into this passage of scripture. You and I are in this, see, we have the throne of God, you have the lightning, you have the thunder, you have the, the, the 24 elders, you have the, you know, the four um, living creatures with six wings each, and you have all this thing happening, right? You have the you have the lamb there. You have the, the myriads of angels. And it said he took the scroll and the creatures and the elders fell down and worshiped holding a harp. And then this golden bowl of incense with our prayers, the prayers of the saints rose up and, and it rose up. And this is a picture of, of our prayer being lifted up to God. Do you remember in, in, in Genesis chapter 8? You remember Noah, we all know the story, he built the ark, right? And, he, and he, he, he was there with his family and he was there and, and the flood came and, and the ark finally rested and he sent out 
the, the, the dove, first he sent out the raven and he came back and then it come back. He sends out the dove and it comes back eventually with the leaf. We know the story. Do you know the very first thing that Noah did when he got on the ground? He built an altar. And the Bible says he built an altar to God and he took all the clean sacrifices, right? The clean animals and the clean birds. And he built this, this sacrifice, this offering to God. And the Bible says that that his worship, his prayer was pleasing to, to, to the nostrils of God. Like his prayer was like going up in smoke. So now we have this, this picture of heaven and it says that the prayers of the saints are, are a part of this whole worship scene. I know if you right now just say, God, I, I, that prayer that I prayed to you, in heaven, it is part of this whole picture. And, and that alone kind of freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> to know that my prayers are a part of this amazing scene going on in heaven right there. And if that doesn't make you want to pray more, I don't know what else does. That, that Lord, I pray that our worship and our prayer would be pleasing, an, an aroma of pleasure to God. Amen. I don't want my worship just to kind of be like halfway done or anything I do just to kind of be halfway committed. I want to be just like this sincere worship to God. And, and we can't get lost in the fact that our prayers, if we use big words and, and we come with like with a, the right tone in our voice, that it's somehow going to sound different to God. It's not that. It's, it's, it's from the inner being of our soul, amen, this prayer that is lifted up saying, God, I am not worthy to be in your presence. But how many know, and, and when we, we're going to read this story of this, of this woman in Luke where, where she had an opportunity. Jesus was in the house and she was like, I am not going to miss this opportunity to bring him something very special, something worthy of who he is. And so this whole scene in heaven is amazing when you realize what it means. Like, I'm actually adding to this scene in heaven right now. It's huge. It's huge. You know, this is what I think about when I think of how the Bible talks about a profound mystery. And there are many things in the Bible, and you got to add that word profound. This is a profound mystery. Ephesians 5 says that there is a profound mystery between Christ and, and the church, meaning like we are members of his body, church. We are members. When is the last time you thought about the magnitude of, of that, that you are connected to God, that you are members of the body of Christ, church. Realizing, a, let, me, let me explain. I, I heard a, a story recently about this young evangelist on fire for God, just like doing all kinds of things. And he was sharing the gospel on the streets of San Francisco, which would be a mission field, Amen. Any city in America is a mission field right now. Missionaries from all around the world are coming to America. Uh, this is a mission field now. This is considered a great mission field. 
and, and he was in San Francisco, and, and he, he said that he was talking to this guy who was casually telling this story, and he's like, I saw God. And this, this young evangelist looked at him and said, no, you didn't. Like, you're telling me, like, you saw the face of God. And, and, and this, this guy who was telling this story is like, you know, how can you say that? How do you, how do you know if I saw God or not? You weren't there. And, and, and the young evangelist said, are you talking about the God, you know, in the Bible? Like, you, like literally you saw the face of God. And this guy's like, yes, I saw God's face and the evangelist, this young evangelist again said, no, you, you, there's no way you saw this. He said, because if you were to look at the face of God, your face would melt off your skull. It's literally what he told him. And, and the guy said, the evangelist said, because if you saw God, you know, the Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. Think about that. God's so holy, right? God is so holy, it's, it's like we can't even look. It's like saying like I stood on the sun this morning. How many know we can glance at the sun, we see the, the light, what it does, right? We understand what the sun does, amen? But how many know you can't stand on the sun? And if you stare at the sun too long, you'll go blind. We get to see the glory of God in our lives and on the earth. But how many know we, we don't understand the magnitude of how great God is? Yahweh God. So, so it's a, when you think about it, he's like, this is my body. This is my beloved son. We're talking about something so great that right now in heaven, there are millions of angels worshiping God saying, holy, holy, holy. And he's saying, you are a part of my body. It's amazing. It's amazing. When Moses said, I, can I see him? God says, you can't see my face and live through it. You won't live through it. That's, that's why when the Bible says that John was taken up in Revelation 4 and 5, when John was taken up, the Bible says he was taken up in the spirit, Right? When he was taken up in heaven, I don't believe his flesh was literally there. He was taken up in the spirit. And so we have a God who created the sun, and, and, and God dwells in unapproachable light. He is just that holy. But yet he is so, so wonderful and glorious, yet he is so amazing, yet he gave us his son that we can approach him through his son. Amen? That we have, we have access to God through his son and we get to be a part of something that great. That great. It's huge when you think about it. Ephesians 5, the scripture says that there is a profound mystery that we are members of his body. You know, right now there's this almighty God and the angels are saying like, Holy, holy, holy. And right now there's thunder in heaven and there's lightning. In fact, if we could just take a second. I really want to be led by the Spirit right now. I just really want us to understand what we're talking about this morning. Can we just come into his presence right now? 
And maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're thinking about other things. Maybe you're thinking about whatever it is. I, I, would you just, let's just wait on the Lord. I heard this amazing thing this week. It's very simple, but someone said the word wait. I'm like, yeah, what's that mean? They said, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? And I believe sometimes we've got to come into God's presence and just say you're holy. You are a holy God. Can you picture this scene in heaven right now? Imagine the throne. Imagine the, the 24 elders. Imagine you know, the, the fire and the four living creatures. And, and imagine all this, the Lamb of God, the millions of angels around the throne right now. Picture those bowls of incense and the smoke and the, the prayers of the saints going up right now. And it's in these moments we begin to realize, God, you are worthy of everything that I have. You are worthy. God, we want to join with everyone in heaven right now. We want to join because, God, you are worthy and all the honor and all the praise and everything that goes with it is for you, God. We don't want to think of anything or anyone else right now. God, we think of you. And I just, I picture the lamb. I picture Jesus standing there and you can still see those, those scars on his hands and his feet. And he, he's, he, he, he's saying, that this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, we seek your presence. We need your presence more in, in a greater way, God. We, we live in a, in a culture, God, that is so self-intoxicated, God, that, Lord, let us come to those moments of being in your presence. And, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we receive communion in just a few moments, God, of the, of the magnitude and the weight of what this represents. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Let us never forget, God, what your son did for us. Oh, Lord. God, you became flesh through your son. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, every morning, how many know if every morning, if the first thing out of your mouth was just, holy are you, God. Holy, amen. God, I give you glory. I thank you for this day. And, and I believe that many of you already do that, that, you know, you just kind of just, as you're even getting out of bed, and if you're like me, it's not a pretty sight, right? It's, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, I'm hitting that snooze. Maybe some of you, how many this morning hit your snooze button? Let's be honest. I did. I was excited about church. I was excited. I'm like, when I wake up, I get to go to church. I love church. I don't know about you, but I love being in God's house with God's people. I love being in God's presence. And, but even this morning, I was like, snooze. I did twice. And Heather, she'll text me and be like, are you up? I'm like, I'm getting there. There's a lot of things that are going through our head when we wake up. But I pray that we would find just a moment to say, thank you, Jesus. 
God, you are worthy of this day. No matter what happens, God, I pray that, I, that my life would give you glory today. Amen? I mean, because we live in a culture that we, we glorify ourselves. Like, like, look at me. Here's my stories. Here's what's happened to me. And I think it's easy to do. We get caught up in that, in that moment. But, God, it's about you. Amen? When we wake up, that we can join the angels. That are, are, they never stop and just say, you're worthy, God. Because usually we think about us. So this story in Luke chapter 7 is amazing, chapter 7. And, and this is, you know, this, this sinful woman is forgiven. And it starts here at verse 36 in the Gospel of Luke. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And when he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined, this is Jesus, right? He reclined at the table. He's, he's relaxing. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she took advantage of the situation. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, just stop, just think about this. She's crying to the point where, I mean, she's just like dripping tears at the feet of Jesus. This, this person who's been living in sin realizes that the one who can change it all is in my midst. And, and, and I don't know if you've cried lately in God's presence, but I pray that your heart would be softened to the point where sometimes you're like, God, just thank you for washing my sin. Amen. Like, like when we receive communion today, I pray there's a, a moment where you just like, are like, wow. This, this woman was like weeping at the feet, weeping at Jesus' around him. And she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she, she quickly probably wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and, and anointed them with this ointment. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they puffed up and they, hold, you know, he said to himself, if this is, if this is, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a, a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to them, Simon, I have something to say to you. And everyone should say right there, like, uh-oh. And he answered, I mean, this is a little bit like arrogant, like, say it, teacher. A certain money, Jesus, here he goes. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both, 550. They're both debt free. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Come on, how many know we should bring God something, all right? But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from time to time I came, from time to the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Stop right there. How many know that means like, God, we can't, I don't want to go a day without like, saying, God, I love you, right? That's what he's saying. Like, there are some of you 
who have so much or, or maybe you're living this and like you don't even welcome God. Like, God, thank you for this day or, 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 you know, thank you for doing this thing. And he's saying, this woman, though, who's full of sin has welcomed me. In verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, <coughs> excuse me, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who's forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow, what a scene. And she's crying at the feet of Jesus. And she, and she wipes the tears with her own hair and kisses his feet and anoints his head with oil with this oil she brought in this alabaster jar. And what I love about the story is the woman didn't care who was there. I mean, she wasn't concerned. Like, literally, she doesn't even sound like she was invited. She just somehow heard that there were, I can just see there were probably people looking in the windows, right? You know, like the kid from Toy, uh, uh, Christmas Story looking in the window at the Red Rider BB gun, right? Like, oh, I want that. And, and they're probably like, there's Jesus sitting there reclining, and she doesn't even care. She's like, I'm going to get to him. And she wasn't there to please anyone else or to be seen. You know, how we know when we come to God's house, I'm not here to please anyone or even to be seen by anyone. I'm here to worship God. Amen? I'm here to, to, to spend time with the Father. And she's thinking, you know, I have this amazing opportunity to come into the presence of Jesus. And so she got it and she understood the moment. And, 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 and she like, what an honor to wash his feet. What an honor to be there. So, you know, like, how dare we come into worship service, or how dare we approach life casually and think it's about us, amen, that we should approach every day like, God, I thank you for your son. And like this whole casual Christianity thing that has kind of, kind of taken over some of the culture in America, it is time to go. It is completely time because in the last days that there will be a divide. There will be those who are casual that will be swept away by sin and swept away by false teaching and swept away because they do not understand what it means to be in the presence of God. He is holy, amen? He is holy. And when, when we stand in, in light of that, I start saying, God, when, when I have that moment to decide, do I want to, like, like when I'm faced with that temptation, I pray, God, that I would understand that, God, you're with me, not to, not to put me down, to pry, but try to carry me through. And we have a chance, church, to change our culture around us. Amen? You know, we can, we can make this casual, or we have an opportunity right here at our church to take every moment to worship God. Every moment. You know, I'm excited. I say this. I'm excited for our church to take the next step. Yeah, I, I pray that all the time. God, 
I'm excited to see, God, what you can do in this house. And, and, And many of you have received prophetic. How many in this house have ever been given a prophetic word in your life? Maybe you remember that. It could have been at camp or at church or at a youth event or something else, a thing you were at, a service. And I know there have been words spoken over your lives and and I've heard them over my family, over my life. And many times I hold on to that and I say, Lord, when will that happen? Amen. I I hold on to those words. And, you know, uh, many, many years ago, Somebody gave me a prophetic word many years ago. Somebody gave us a, me a prophetic word. They said, I see you standing in front of, of a sea of people. And for a long time, I was like, I don't see how that's going to happen. But now I believe I'm going to travel to Pakistan in the next few years. And I see myself standing in front of hundreds of thousands of people giving an altar call. And, and so what, what has the Lord spoken to you? Like, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Because God has spoken more to us than just the fact that you're going to work hard, you're going to retire, and you're going to uh, have a lot of nice things. I mean, that's good, but that's not that exciting. I want to, I like, change a culture. I want to I see lives changed. I want to see people restored and marriages restored. And I want to see... I want, to see, I want to see somebody in this church who, like, all of a sudden, you're just going to get on fire for God, and you're going to blow us away. You're just going to be like this soul-winning machine. Amen. Hallelujah. I prayed that. We had one young man named Tim, and I prayed, God, that you would just change this young man's life. He came from a very uh, a family that dealt with a lot of darkness, a lot of depression, a lot of alcoholism. I mean, like, a lot of problems. I mean, it just like was the root of all evil in that family, right? And I've said, Lord, I pray that this young man would get on fire for God. And he like literally was like expressionless during worship. He had like no emotion. Matter of fact, his whole family kind of sat in a section of church. Heather knows exactly what I'm talking about. They sat in like this section. And it's like, don't look at them. Like that's the people you don't look at because they, they look like they've all been like sucking lemons all morning for breakfast, Right. They didn't look happy. So, like, you don't look at them because they make you feel, right? They're just like, the whole time. I'm like, I would pray, Lord, just set this young man on fire. Just like, just, and it was like the last person you would ever imagine. One Sunday, Heather was there, out of nowhere, this young man starts worshiping Jesus. He's never shown anything. I've known him for five or six years at this time. He starts spinning all over the place. And he's spinning and he won't stop. I'm like, this young man just got a complete revelation. Hallelujah. And, and God did some things in his life. And, he got, and he's now married with kids and a family involved in church and leadership. And, you know, I just say, God, would you just change? Would you just kind of mess up our lives a little bit? Like our, our regularly scheduled programming a little bit. Kind of change the scenery a little bit. Now I'm going to end with this story, and then we're going to receive communion together. And I want you to just kind of imagine with me. I I was thinking about this. I'm like, so what if Drew's not here? She's actually still in Ohio as well. But, like, what if I went up to Drew one day and I said, Drew, I'm going to throw you a party. I mean, we're going to, like, throw you a party, and we're going to make a cake. And we're going to invite all your friends. And all we're going to do is just make a cake. We're not going to play any games. We're not going to do anything else. I'll make a cake, but everyone, we're just going to ask people to bring gifts. 
I want you to invite everybody you know, everybody, church, school, every, cousins, relatives. How many think a lot of people want to be really excited about that party? Like for a child, right? Like when she was little, like, we're just going to like eat cake and like give her gifts and just sit around and, and we'll see what happens. How many know, like, so I thought about like, so what if, what if I would, instead of that, what if I said, Drew, for your birthday, I'm going to rent out round one and it's going to be all ours and every game is free. All the food is free. Matter of fact, what if this, what if instead of renting out round one, what if we just did your party in the summer and I just rent out Cedar Point? And I just ran out the whole park. And we're going to ask everyone to come. It's free. Parking's free. Everything's free, right? They all, how, many, you think, you, you, how many of your friends do you think will come? Everybody who can make it is going to be there, right? And I thought sometimes we've made church this thing like, what if I were to say next Sunday, Hillsong Church is leading worship and John Bevere and Lisa Bevere are our guest speakers. And we put that out there. How many think we would not be able to see everybody in this house? And it's amazing. I, I sometimes think it's insulting to God that we've made it about everything else when all we need is God and we bring you presents. Like, like God is like, come and celebrate me. But we've made it where we almost have to have this whole, like, everything else happening around to make God interesting. When really all we need to do is say, God, even, how many know, parents right here in this room, if your child was in the middle of the desert and the birthday party was in the middle of the desert, you would go, wouldn't you? I would go at any lengths to be at any of my kids' birthday parties because why? I love them so much. I don't need Cedar Point. I don't need all the everything to let my kids know I love them. I just want to be in their presence. But I think sometimes we've got this mindset like for me to get excited about God, I have to have all these things. In her. And so I could almost even tell Drew like if we were standing there and, and I said, do you think all these people are just here for you? Then you're kind of fooling yourself. They're here for everything else, all the free stuff, all the, all the, all that. And I said, but if you look at the people who came to your other party when it was just you and maybe a cake, and, and those are the ones who really want to be in your presence. God, I pray that we would have the mindset that, that even, what if, what if instead of Hillsong and John Bevere, what if I said for the next week, we're just going to come together and pray for an hour every Sunday and just lift up the name of Jesus. Would you still come? Would you, would you still get up in the morning and, and maybe hit snooze a few times and, <coughs> excuse me, fight traffic and, and go through all this stuff? Would you still come just to say, God, I love you. It doesn't matter if there's anything else, God. I just want to be in your presence, God. And maybe for you, like, like on a Monday morning, that's, that's that time for you that it's hardest and you're like, I just feel like sometimes on Monday or Tuesday, I just, I feel like God is a little bit distanced and I just, I don't feel him. So maybe for you, it's like saying, God, I need to know how to find you on Tuesday or Wednesday. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, I want to know that every day, wherever I'm at, I'm with you. Whether I'm at work or in my car or, or, or anywhere, God, no matter how, you know, 
much authority or you have or student or whatever age. It doesn't matter. It's just, God, I need you today. Amen? Church, we have to be careful that we don't get excited about the wrong things. That we get excited about the one. The one. Would you bow your heads? If I could ask those who are helping me serve communion, we're going to do something a little bit different today. And we've done this before in the last, I think a couple months ago. I'm actually going to show a, a, just a video. It's, a, it's the lyrics to a song called Remember, Remembrance. As they serve the communion, I'm going to pray at the beginning, but I just want you to, to just worship and, and look at the words on the screen or, or close your eyes and hear the words or just thank you, God, for giving us your son. We're going to pass out the bread and then we're just going to pass out the communion cup and, and literally just say thank you for this. This cup that I hold, this, this gift, this, this fact that I get to be a part of the body. Like, I literally get to eat the flesh and, and drink the blood, which represents that we are connected to God. Like, we are connected through his son. That we are partakers in something greater than us. And I, I want to have the heart of that woman in Luke 7. Like, you might be sitting here and saying, like, I have a lot, of, like a lot of sin. I am not worthy to have communion. She did not stand outside the house and miss that opportunity and say, I'm not worthy to be around Jesus. No, she went right in and she said, I, I, I want to do something for you. And so I pray as you receive communion and you hold it, you just say, God, I enter into this uh, agreement, God, that I am a sinner, but your blood washed away my sin. At, say, God, forgive me of my sin. Heal me of, of anything. It could be a physical or a spiritual, but Lord, would you just use this moment that we are to understand that we are your sons and daughters. We are connected to you. And I pray, would you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, if there's anyone here today and, and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you, you just struggle with, with, am I saved or am I not saved? I, listen, you, if you're saved, you should know that you're saved. I don't, I don't ask myself every day, am I married or not? I don't have to go to Heather every morning and say, am I still married to you? No, I am in a covenant relationship. Right? I'm married. December 4th, 1993, I said, I do. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know. I pray right now you would say, Father, come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. I ask you to take over my life. And I... Give myself to you today. You can pray that right now. You don't, you don't have to even have me come and lay hands. You can just say, God, I love you. I need you. I don't know what that looks like, but I just know I need you in my life. You pray that right now, and we'll celebrate with communion together. So as you hold that, think of these things. And for most of us, it's just saying, Lord, I love you so much. So we'll give you a moment. Hold the bread, the cup, you can receive it. Father, thank you for this opportunity to have this time to be in your presence, to remember this, 
time when you sat with your beloved and you said, this is my body, and they broke bread together. There's something special about when we come together as a church family, we break bread. And you said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. This is a gift. This is my blood that will be poured out for you, as he was telling his beloved And it's still here today. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember today. In Jesus' name, amen.